The following program is brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment. Welcome to an hour of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Well, a good Sunday to you, Southern California. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. If you're hungry for beautiful food, remarkable wines, and juicy conversation, then you won't want to miss this show. Good morning to you, Lana. Good morning. We are dedicated to great taste and constantly traveling the globe in search of the next big thing in food. We sift through ingredients, food news, and pop culture to bring you emerging cuisines, culinary trends, and great culinary thinkers. So open your mind and expand your palate. We hope you'll tune in every Sunday to gain delicious knowledge on the wonderful world of food right here. This is Food Conversation that fits your life, and we're always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com, C-H-E-F-J-A-M-I-E.com, on Facebook and Twitter as well, at Chef Jamie Gwen. It was a very delicious week, Lana, if I may say myself. It was. What did you make this week? Because... I thought it was full of fabulous summer flavor. Yes, with the anticipation of making uh, lamb chops. Yes. Um, also, make possibly a leg of lamb. Mm, that, that would be good, good on right the grill now. if yeah, it was for boned. Sure. Um, I made a mint uh, basil pesto. That you did. And then yes. I took your lamb inspiration and actually made a rack of lamb, which you came to my house for mm-hmm. dinner to eat. And the leftovers were much appreciated and well enjoyed as well. Yes. But that's an incredible way to add herbaceous flavor rather than just using straight herbs or a combination thereof. A prepared pesto in the refrigerator from a beautiful overgrowing summer garden is a wonderful way to perk up a vinaigrette, to add flavor to lamb. You could even mix it in to uh, burgers or even meatballs for a really fabulous flavor. I think pesto does so many things so fabulously. Mm, even um, a white lasagna where you add some pesto to it. Nice. What what time is that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for dinner. You made an incredible uh, banana muffin or batch thereof for breakfast. Uh-huh. Well, thank you, yesterday. Abby Dodge, for your wonderful recipe. Uh, our resident pastry chef, Abby Dodge, is always sharing something new and delicious. Mm-hmm. That That is an incredible banana muffin. It has a burst of banana flavor. I love the chocolate because it's very indulgent in like finding a prize in the middle of your muffin. That's my addition. Yes. Well, I like it a lot. And nuts, um, so delicious. Um, I think walnuts or pecans are a really nice complement to bananas as well. Um, And it was a great week of eating and we hope yours was too. You can always find delicious inspiration once again at chefjamie.com. We're hoping to make you a better cook in your own kitchen. So we'll kick off this show with our technique of the week. You can learn to master cooking skills. You'll find techniques rather for the last uh, almost year, in fact, 52 techniques that will get you cooking like a pro. And we thought that we would share uh, a topic that, in fact, we've been asked about and requested many a time. Um, For those that know me, you know I love a poached egg. And wouldn't it be great if there was a poached egg method that worked every time and one that would allow you to poach your eggs in advance? Well, 
There is. It's all about foolproof poached eggs this morning. And egg poaching is a technique that I think looms over all great cooks' heads. Um, If you've ever had a perfect poached egg on toast that oozes with goodness, or Lana, we love a frise salad or the Mm -hmm. French-style salad with the softly poached egg and the bacon or lardon strewn throughout where the egg, you know, seeps through the salad. Last night, in fact, we had fried rice with a fried egg on top. Mm -hmm. You could do a poached egg Mm. as well. And it's just truly delicious. So if you want to commit to mastering the method, here it is. Julia Child once called poached eggs the purest and loveliest of ways to cook eggs. And the process can be a little tricky. But if you overcome the learning curve, it's very empowering. So we went to the top culinary thinkers and we asked their best advice. And if you ask Thomas Keller his secrets to poaching an egg, he will tell you the most important factor is to start with a fresh egg. And you and I have talked about that a lot. This Mm -hmm. really applies to baking uh, premise as well. You know, in that the fresher the egg, the easier it separates white and yolk. And fresh does mean one week old. Yeah, or or less, Mm -hmm. right, definitely. So, so uh, the perfect poached egg starts with a very fresh egg because as the egg ages, the white deteriorates, which is why some poached eggs go floppy. You know, that jellyfish like tendril that you're trying to uh, keep from that comes from an older egg. And so I will say the fresh egg, I agree with Thomas Keller, most important. My best tip is all about the whirlpool, or I like to call it the vortex of the water. When you add an egg, which by the way, you break the eggs individually into ramekins before you carefully pour them into the simmering water. When you add an egg to swirling water, you get that compact shape that you see at restaurants. And I must have poached probably 800 eggs at Pinot Bistro, the first restaurant Mm -hmm. I worked at out of culinary school. And by like the 711th, they were perfect. (laughs) It won't take you that long, I guarantee. Um, But do remember too, the magic number to yield a cooked through yet tender white and a thickened but runny yolk is exactly two minutes. Now, here are our best poaching tips. Uh, The first is to start with the freshest eggs possible, of course. It will also, by the way, lessen the likelihood that the yolk will break if you're using a fresh egg. You want to simmer the water, not boil it, but you bring it up to a boil and you add the eggs and because they will lower the temperature of the water, the water comes down in temperature and then you turn the heat down to keep that simmer, but never boil with the eggs in the pot. You always want to use vinegar. The secret here to keeping the white coagulated is white vinegar. About a half a teaspoon per egg helps the egg white to form. When you say per egg, each time you put an egg into the water? No, actually, and thank you, it's a good clarification. You're going to use a half a a teaspoon of vinegar per egg. If you're poaching four eggs in a pot of water, that means you're going to put in two teaspoons of vinegar. Mm -hmm. And And you probably don't want to poach more than six eggs in one pot of water without cleaning the water and starting fresh. Mm. I think that's a good tip too. And I do use apple cider vinegar. Yeah, and it works just fine, right? Mm -hmm. Good. And then here's my best tip, I think. You can store poached eggs or make them in advance. You spoon them into a bowl of ice water at the two-minute mark. And then you, with a slotted spoon, take them out and you store them in the fridge um, for up to a day. Or you could do this the morning of a brunch, right? Mm -hmm. But how much easier is it to just then slip them back into a pot of simmering water to bring them back up to temperature when you're going to serve 
eggs benedict to a Mm -hmm. crowd rather than standing and slaving in the kitchen with everyone there trying to get the perfect poached eggs Mm -hmm. so i've posted all posted all the tips and the exact recipe to perfectly poach foolproof poached eggs on chefjamie.com and dr oz does say that uh, eggs should be part of your daily uh, eating routine yeah i like dr oz a lot and i know you do too We're, we're all about eating well and everything in moderation with a little bit of indulgence but we believe in heart health and lifestyle and Dr. Oz definitely has, I think, some extraordinary advice. What does he say about eggs? Yes, that eating a two eggs comprises 20% of, uh, 26% of your daily protein intake. Yeah. Yes, yet it contains less than 10% of your recommended calories for the day. I, I love an egg. I think it's a great protein boost it's for sure. A powerful source of protein and most important. And if I'm not eating eggs Benedict in the morning, (laughs) I have a hard-boiled egg at some point throughout the day. I actually have a bowl, as you know, of hard-boiled eggs in my fridge Mm. at all time. And it has a post-it in it. It says hard-boiled eggs because if the eggs... And the date. And the date. Thank you. The the eggs from the carton, if I end up taking them out and putting them into a bowl, you need Mm -hmm. to differentiate. Um, But I think a hard-boiled egg is an incredible snack. And in fact, we've been told by um, many a workout guru on this show that it's a great way to start your day for breakfast Mm -hmm. with a protein boost. You know what's a great question? to find out from everyone hmm. do they prefer a uh, poached egg or an over easy or a sunny side up egg I, I think that is a great question we should pose all right we'll ask for your answers on facebook at chef jamie gwen what is your egg preparation of choice mm-hmm. are you a poached kind of guy or a fried kind of girl And what is it exactly that makes that egg so delicious to you? Let us know. Weigh in. You can always email us, by the way, at live, L-I-V-E, at chefjamie.com, our direct email address from you to us, which, by the way, we've gotten a lot of email questions lately, which means passionate Mm. cooks are listening, and I love that. And in fact, Sally wrote a question uh, earlier this week. She wants to know, um, Jamie and Lana, can you please tell me what caster sugar is and where I can buy it? One of my favorite cocktail recipes from, oh, Tony. Abu Ghanim, the cocktail <laughs> aficionado, uh, or I guess it, it, I guess she's been making it with regular sugar. One of her favorite recipes of his, the cocktail genius mm-hmm. that he is, calls for caster sugar, and she'd like to find the actual. Mm. Um, caster sugar is the British term, really, for super fine sugar. And you can buy super fine sugar in every supermarket, um, Sally, and it comes just in a box, smaller than the five or four pound bag that you're used to. The reason that it's called for in your cocktail recipe from Tony is because it dissolves very well in drinks, and it is often used in baking for light textured cakes and cookies cookies, right, Lana? Mm-hmm. And then um, for meringue, mm-hmm. I know you use it um, when you're making a meringue because Most it definitely. dissolves quicker. Yes, yes. And on top of muffins or baked goods, if you're sprinkling sugar to use that. Now, if you wanted well. to be thrifty about it, there is a substitute and one mm-hmm. that I believe in and agree with entirely. You always have have uh, caster sugar or fine sugar in the house. Right, because you take your granulated sugar, mm-hmm. the regular old granulated sugar you use every day and you put a cup of it into the food processor and you pulse away you can actually let it run well you're going to create those minuscule sugar granules Mm -hmm. Uh, don't let it go too long it gets powdery actually Um, but you'll find that you can actually create a perfect substitute for super fine sugar without Mm -hmm. having to buy the castor or the super fine itself at all so can you make powdered sugar 
if you run long enough, you can. You need to add cornstarch to it. Oh. It has the addition of cornstarch. I, I suggest you... Oh, that's you, great to know. I, it's a great substitute, like, if you're in a bind. I mean, I suggest mm-hmm. that you use powdered or confectioner sugar out of a box because the ratio is perfect and you, you get the gorgeous dusting or dissolving that you're looking for. But as far as super fine sugar is concerned and you just want the sugar to dissolve in your cocktail quicker, the food processor method if I may say myself, is pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it works great. We'll continue to answer your email questions here in your radio as the Sundays continue. Uh, you'll find the recipe of the week and the Cook with Lana recipe posted on the website. Okay, wait, that you made that this week too. It was a very big week of baking. Oh, yes, it was. Thank it you, was. by the way. The blueberry snack cake is very easy to do. For my, Thank you for my snack. Yes, quite, quite simple delicious. and very delicious. So it turns out uh, very nicely. Yeah, it's a great blueberry a cr- almost with that really lovely crumb cake mm-hmm. yes, um, it is. that Lana has posted mm-hmm. and again at chefjamie.com right. also a cocktail you'll love because I think every day is made better at least a Sunday for that matter with a cocktail and so this is my newest party concept you know that you've heard me talk about pitcher drinks all day long I like to make cocktails that are made in a pitcher so you can feed a crowd without shaking one martini at a time mm-hmm. but I love the pineapple that's coming from Melissa's and that very very sweet summer flavor from wherever you get your produce find those a little individual or the baby pineapples or even a big one and make a summer pineapple daiquiri but make a big batch of it the recipes posted uh, rum lime juice uh, pineapple ice cubes and sugar super fine sugar in fact the caster blend it all and then rather than put out a pitcher pour the slush into individual pint-sized mason jars seal them well and put them in the freezer and because of the alcohol content they won't freeze solid. They'll they'll stay slushy like a daiquiri. And when everyone comes over, you take your big uh, bucket, you know, your oh, your metal great. bucket, you mm-hmm. fill it with ice and you throw all the mason jars of daiquiris in. And then everybody mm-hmm. just opens the jar, throws in a straw and sips away. And you have daiquiris for a crowd in a really fun presentation. Mm. That sounds fabulous. And all the yogurt stores now are selling pineapple yogurt. Yes. So I would get some of that. Oh, frozen yogurt. Uh, and, and add it to the drink. Oh, that would be delicious. And then you know the margarita that you make? That, yes. That's, that's the famous with, Aunt Sarah margarita, we call it. With the lime juice concentrate. Yes. <laughs> we would make Sarah proud, right? You could do your um, slushy margaritas in mason jars as well oh. and serve a crowd. Terrific. Okay, I'm inviting all my friends over now. They just need to do a margarita uh, yogurt now. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait I, I need to call someone for that. Hold on. We hope you'll stay tuned because there's more scintillating conversation in your radio. We're celebrating National Hot Dog Month a little later in the show. The legendary Pink family uh, will be with us, and you'll hear us live from Pink's Hot Dogs. Also, author Ilana Amsterdam is sharing her best paleo recipes for eating and living well. Plus, we love celebrating the best of life and we love the theater wait till you hear from e clayton cornelius as he sings for his supper he is one of the leads in sister act the musical and he's sharing his best soul food recipes all that and more right after this chef jamie gwen along with lana in your radio don't go away Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. This is Radio's Answer to Culinary Conversation, bringing you never-ending insight into fabulous food and delicious dishes. I know you've heard about it. Paleo cooking is a dietary choice that is no doubt a growing trend, and it has attracted total body health seekers, those that might be challenged by celiac disease, 
And it's really incredible to see its growing trend and the popularity through social media and online. You might have seen this highly successful author's blog and her brilliant recipes at ilanaspantry.com, of which Lana and I are fans. Ilana Amsterdam's new book called Paleo Cooking has just released. It's called Paleo Cooking from Ilana's Pantry, and it's all about gluten-free, grain-free, and dairy-free recipes, and she joins us live. We're delighted to have you. Hi, Ilana. Hi, Chef Jamie. (laughs) Hi, Lana. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, of course. Thank you for being here. Tell us, if you would, what exactly paleo cooking is, for those that might not know. Sure. Paleo cooking is a little bit more extreme version of gluten-free cooking. So gluten-free is a diet which excludes grains that contain gluten, and gluten is found in wheat, rye, and barley. So the gluten-free diet excludes wheat, rye, and barley. Paleo cooking excludes those grains. The paleo diet excludes the grains of wheat, rye, and barley, plus rice, corn, quinoa, taff, millet, all of those other grains. Anything that is a grain or a grain-like substance is not eaten on the paleo diet. I would miss quinoa, I have to say. Uh, I, I do miss quinoa. <laughs> Some of those I grains. I used to eat a lot of quinoa before I went on the paleo diet. I would imagine so, because I know there are a lot of converts from a gluten-free to the paleo diet. And I think uh-huh. it's interesting, though, that grain versus vegetables and fruits, as the guidelines outline in your book, actually right. offer significant fiber and protein. And there's some ingredients we might not have thought of, like using sunflower seeds in unique ways like you do. The paleo pantry consists of some very important staples. And if you would highlight them, most importantly, those that uh, apply to coconut. Coconut is high in fiber, and it also is an amazing fat that has antiviral and antifungal properties. And even though coconut was kind of hated in the medical community five years ago, even cardiologists are coming around and realizing that coconut oil can actually lower the bad cholesterol nowadays. I think it's interesting, too, that coconut flour is making its way into markets as well. And as you describe, it's made from finely ground, dried, and defatted coconut. And it is surprisingly low in carbs and high in fiber. Do you have some tricks and tips you can share with us to baking with it? Can we substitute proportionally? That is a great question, Chef Jamie. Coconut flour is not going to be your most optimal flour to substitute in traditional recipes that have wheat or gluten in them. When I write a recipe on my website, you're going to see it's one quarter cup coconut flour with three eggs. And when I get first timers on my website, ilanaspantry.com, they'll say, is this a typo? <laughs> is it two and a quarter cups coconut flour? Is there are two missing in front of this quarter cup? And actually, coconut flour is a really dry flour that sucks up a ton of moisture mm. and gets really fluffy, and it's amazing for baked goods like um, muffins and cakes and in combination with something like flax or almond flour for breads. I love that you have an entire section and a lot of baked goods that are dedicated to the paleo lifestyle. I was very impressed by the nut-free bran muffins. I would expect that a bran muffin would be a challenge, but with brown flax meal and pumpkin seeds and coconut flour, you're using dates and eggs and raisins, sesame seeds, and sunflower seeds. That's like packed with goodness. I like the way you say that, Chef Jamie. It is packed with goodness. 
And I used to love bran muffins before I was diagnosed with celiac disease, and I really needed to come up with something that had a lot of fiber and that tasted like a bran muffin. And the other thing that I love about this recipe is there's no added sweetener other than the dates, which is a fruit sweetener. So you've landed on one of my favorite recipes in the entire book. And you have actually created a recipe on your website that seems to be most popular right now and might become one of my favorites. And that is at Ilana's Pantry, there is a paleo chocolate zucchini bread. So you had me at the chocolate zucchini running rampant, of course, right now in the heat of summer. And it looks extraordinarily moist. It's extremely moist. And I'm I'm always at, at this point when it's getting really hot out and my garden is exploding with zucchini. I get a lot of requests on my website for zucchini recipes. So I had to come up with chocolate zucchini bread. The chocolate being key, as you mentioned, get my husband and kids drawn in at the chocolate, but then get them eating vegetable in their dessert, which I love. And zucchini is so healthy, and this is just so moist with the coconut oil and the zucchini. It's just melt-in-your-mouth delicious. Yeah, it looks really delicious, in fact. And we're going to link to Ilana's Pantry website from chefjamie.com so that you can steal that recipe, too. Making our way into the entree round, I happen to be a Pad Thai lover. I love ethnic cuisine. I love spicy flavors and a change in flavor profile. And I was delighted when I read through your recipe. I do a lot with spaghetti squash. In fact, it's one of my favorite vegetarian approaches to Meatless Monday. And Uh while I'll gladly sit down to a steak dinner, I have felt much better, in fact, and Lana and I talk about this a lot, going meatless, trying to be, you know, better for the planet, better for my body, and spaghetti squash with some sort of fabulous shredded cheese and a ratatouille or a tomato sauce has become my go-to. I think it's a great snack as well. You're making pad thai with spaghetti squash. I think that's fabulous. I made it last night for dinner. Hmm. Your son ate it? Yeah, they loved it. They loved it. He had a friend over and they had it with chicken. It was so hot outside that I, I, in the, you know, in the heat of summer, that I just decided to eat mine just with the tangy, quote-unquote, peanut sauce. There's not peanut in the sauce. It's made with an almond butter base. And I sprinkled a bunch of toasted sesame seeds on top. And it was just delicious and refreshing on a hot day. Yeah, I can't wait to make it. And then I decided you and I could definitely be friends when I found your bacon tart. Oh, yes. (laughs) My kids beg me to make that. They love that one. There's nothing that sounds paleo about that to me at all. And you talk about it being very high in protein and a really great substitute choice for a recipe if you want to use traditional bacon or even turkey bacon. Yeah, I think it's great to use um, turkey bacon or, um, or pork bacon. I love this one because as you said, it is high in protein. You have meat with the bacon, eggs, and then an almond flour crust. And I think it's wonderful to bring this dish to a brunch Um, When there's so many other kind of, there can be a lot of sweet treats at a brunch to give people a great hit of protein. Or when we do breakfast for dinner, we'll have this with a side of um, sauteed dandelion greens or steamed broccoli, and it's fabulous. Leave us with this. (laughs) Uh, How do you make ice cream in the paleo fashion? Because you have a whole slew of ice cream recipes. After we had the pad thai last night, I made the boys the key lime ice cream on page 110. And it was funny, I didn't have enough lime, so it was a lemon-lime ice cream. I used coconut milk and hemp seeds, lemon juice, honey, and coconut oil, and a little bit of vanilla stevia to give it a pop. And what I love about these ice creams is when my um, children have sleepovers, 
they'll have their friends and they'll get up in the middle of the night and sneak the ice cream out of the freezer. Oh, the old thing. They're being so bad. And this is so healthy, I would feed it to them for for a breakfast treat with the coconut milk and hemp. It's just high in grit, really good fat and um, nice protein. The ultimate compliment that the kids are sneaking for paleo well, ice cream. Kids, you know, not all of our the families we're friends with are, you know, choose to eat the way we do. Sure. And some of those kids, you walk into the pantries in their house and there's Doritos and saltines and traditional American food, which is fine. That's not the way we eat. But everybody's different in our country. And, um, it's a real compliment to me that those children that are eating more processed foods still like the foods that I make with, with more simple ingredients. Yeah, and I love that it's better all-around health. So whether you're looking to eliminate gluten, dairy, grains, or processed food from your diet, Ilana Amsterdam says paleo cooking is the perfect solution for food allergy relief and definitely living a better life. And you can find her cookbook available on Amazon. It's called Paleo Cooking from Ilana's Pantry. And you can learn more, plus add some really delicious recipes to your recipe box at Ilana's Pantry, E-L-A-N-A-S Pantry.com. It was a pleasure, Ilana. Continued success to you. We'll be watching. Thanks a lot, Shifty. Thanks so much. Great to be with you. A pleasure. My goal is to satiate your appetite every Sunday, and there's more delicious conversation right after this. Don't go away. This truly is the most delicious conversation in your radio. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, bringing you the best of National Hot Dog Month. We are live today at Pink's. And let me tell you, this is going to be a frank talk. Oh, yes, it is. The ultimate mom and pop hot dog stand is a Hollywood love story, starting with Paul and Betty Pink from a cart on a neighborhood street corner at La Brea and Melrose in 1939. How could the city not have fallen in love with the tasty chili dogs and the incredible service? And 73 years later, Pink's is still a Hollywood landmark. I am extremely proud to be on the wall at Pink's Hot Dogs in Hollywood, and we are even more proud to be part of the family of Pink's. And joining us, of course, are Richard Pink, Gloria Pink, and Beverly Pink. The Pink family has expanded to 10 locations across the country, and we're dishing to celebrate the land's best dog, oh. I will say. Bravo. Bravo. Yes. Yay. It wouldn't be National Hot Dog Month without a celebration with all of you at Pink's, and we are delighted to be here again, and we missed you. Oh, Jamie, we are so honored to have you here. You are one of the greatest chefs in the world. And to have you you sitting at our table is such a tribute to my parents and to our family. We are so grateful. And we welcome you with relish. With rel oh, there we go. And the Chef Jamie dog and onion rings yes. and fries. Uh, every year I am flattered and honored by a Chef Jamie hot dog. Today only it is being offered. The best of everything summer, from grilled onions to grilled mushrooms, pinks, famous coleslaw, chopped tomatoes, their truly yummy barbecue sauce, and finished with a couple of strips of crispy, delicious, and indulgent mm. bacon, piled high on a steamy bun. What could be better than that? All for five dollars and ninety-five cents. I know. Wow, pretty incredible. It's a bargain, yeah. isn't it? Though, you know, it's amazing that for so many years you've been a celebrity hangout. You've been a foodie hot spot. 
and not much has changed since the beginning, Richard. So if you would, tell us how the story began 73 years ago. I'd like to tell you the story uh, about the little hot dog stand that could. That's right. <laughs> My parents borrowed $50 to buy a push cart back in 1939, and they set it up right here on the corner of La Brea and Melrose, and at that time, hot dogs were 10 cents, Cokes were a nickel, and the rent was $15 a month, which, believe it or not, was a stretch in those days. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And about two years later, 1941, the landlord raised the rent some 67%, all the way to $25 a month. And my parents said, oh my God, he's gonna keep raising the rent, he's gonna put us out of business. So they go to Bank of America, and maybe many people have seen this wonderful, heartwarming story about my parents going to Bank of America in 1941 and borrowing with just really their good intentions, their commitment, their, their love of the business. That's all they had is collateral. $4,000 to buy the property on which Pink sits today. And over, and as my father would say, after 40 years, you begin to make a few bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so this hot dog stand has grown from just a simple hot dog and a hamburger on a menu to today. We have 35 scrumptious varieties wow. of hot dogs. That you do. 12 wonderful varieties of hamburgers with french fries and onion rings. And people line up really sometimes for an hour to an hour and a half. And we say to everybody... I'm sorry for the wait. And they said, no, it was a party. We loved it. We love your hot dog stand. We love your food. We love the people that work there. Most of our employees have been with us 15 or 20 years. Yeah. It's a family at Pink's. It, it definitely is. And it's amazing to me, even now as we sit here at Pink's, the line is long and down and, the block. And growing longer. And growing as we speak, Lana, and you're right. But uh, there was a quote, I know, on a reviewer's website that said, I hope I get to the end of the line at Pink's before I die. That's right. <laughs> and I, That's right. I think it says something about the bite, the crunch, the crisp, the snap of your hot dog and the flavor combinations that you've created that has made Pink's so sought after. I mean, around the world. We're going to dish later on with some friends we met in line, Londoners, in fact, who knew that they needed to get to Pink's. And then Huntington Beach residents here in Southern California that won't have a dog anywhere else. It's a mm -hmm. testament to who and what you are and what you do. Orson Welles still holds the record, we understand. We ask every year, because you never know. Things change fast, right? For the most dogs eaten in one sitting, right, Richard? That's right. Orson Welles sat down after a dinner that I understand he had at an old famous Hollywood landmark called Chasen's. <laughs> he came over to Pink's and he downed 18 chili dogs. Oh my. Wow. My father counted them. <gasps> okay, well, just so you know, I've already had my first of the day. Only 17 more to go. <laughs> I will guarantee you're not going to reach 18. Yeah, I have to agree with you entirely. Lana, I think we should dish with the ladies about celebrity sightings, don't you? Oh, most definitely so. Okay, so Gloria, Beverly, talk to us, because we know many of the dogs are named after many of the mm -hmm. celebrities that have fallen in love with pinks and have a long everlasting love uh, but the list keeps growing well the list keeps growing and we actually have a betty white naked dog on the menu naked. wow that sounds a naked dirty dog i'll tell you she's sounds a saucy like betty. lady she's <laughs> she sassy, is very yes. sassy she's a purist and she wanted nothing on her dog it's just a, you know an all beef stretch hot dog just the right blend of spices and flavor and 
It's a naked dog. And what my headline was, Betty White gets naked at Pink's. <laughs> That's brilliant. So that was terrific. And recently, if you watch Breaking Bad with Brian Cranston, yes. the fellow who plays his son, R.J. Mitty, came by for dogs. Oh. What did he have? Well, he had our famous chili dog. Well, our legendary chili dog, of course. Of Smart course. man. And Mayor Villaraigosa was leaving office. He went to all his favorite places in L.A. I heard about of this. Course. Did you? Yes. Because, yes. of course, he stopped by Pink. Of mm-hmm. course he did. And they, ta- they talked about it in the Wall Street Journal. As more celebrities come into the limelight, into play, whether they be uh, Olympians or, you know, actors who have risen in the ranks. We love that there's always a new dog developed. Tell them about the Ryan Lottie dog. Yes, this dog is getting a lot of attention. It is, as it deserves. Ryan Lottie is a really very nice guy. I have to tell you, Olympic champion or not, he's just a regular down-home sweet guy. Liked him a lot. So Ryan Lottie came here on his reality show. It's called What Would Ryan Lottie Do in Hollywood? And naturally, we go to Pink's. But what we created was a hot dog with two hot dogs in it. And, the, and Ryan Lotti asked me, so why are there two hot dogs in the, in the dog? And I said to him, because if you will notice, one of the hot dogs is in front of the other. Now, that's you. That's you winning the race. Now, you can only guess who it might be. It might be Michael Phelps or some other great swimmer. But what else is on it? And it's such an unusual dog. So it's a hot dog combination made up of two stretch hot dogs, mustard, chili, French fries on top of the dog, topped with nacho cheese and a side of Olympic rings. And I have to tell you, then they said, well, what can we do with Ryan that's kind of fun? And I said, well, what if we put nine Olympic onion rings around his neck and that was on the show? And they thought that that was absolutely great. And they said, well, then why are all the French fries on the hot dog? And I said, well, that's all the people in the pool. <laughs> that's it's really fabulous. And it's a very good dog. seller. Yes. It's a very oh, good seller. It sounds fabulous. Do you sell more stretch dogs than the shorter dog? Yeah, I think that people just want more beef, if you will. <laughs> and so the stretch dog sells a lot. And of course, we have a 12-inch jalapeno dog. We have a turkey dog. We have a mild Polish dog. A spicy Polish dog. It's so spicy it turns your eyeballs to sprinklers. It is really hot. And people put it in a burrito, believe it or not. So we have a Polish bacon burrito dog, a tortilla, not a bun, wrapped around two Polish dogs. You can get it spicier or mild. You know, mustard, onions, cheddar cheese. And you put in guacamole. It is absolutely the most spectacular dog of all time. Yeah, now that's a burrito for you. That's called a delicious experience, <laughs> let me tell you. It's always interesting to me, Richard, to run the statistics because the stats grow every year. Mm-hmm. Over 20 billion hot dogs are sold in the U.S. every year, we know. You have a very huge part in that. We know that Pink's... Hollywood sells more hot dogs west of the Mississippi than everyone else combined. Interestingly enough, Los Angeles sells more hot dogs than any other city in the country. 95 million dogs are sold a year, even more than New York and Chicago. An amazing number. Really an incredible, incredible number. And by the way, we know that at ballparks... The hot dog still reigns supreme. And as far as I'm concerned, when I go to a game, I'd really like a pink's dog. So if you could work on that. But forget the spicy tuna roll. You know, we've seen this gourmet food extravaganza happen at all these ballparks across the country. But the sheer beauty of a hot dog still lies in a game and at pink's. And it always will. Um, With that said, we're going to take a quick break. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana. More right after this. 
We love the pinks and we hope you're loving listening. We are celebrating National Hot Dog Month and part two of our Live at Pink's Hot Dogs, where I am proud to sit upon the wall in a photo amongst great celebrities, uh, will continue next Sunday. So stay tuned. Next Sunday, part two of our Live from Pink's Hot Dog interview will continue. When we come back, back rather, we're celebrating the best of life with great theater. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana. Don't go away. It's a new year, 1978. We are the Queen of Angels Choir, putting the sis back in Genesis and taking the good word of a third. Now, we may have been blind, but now we can see. Sing for the Savior, sisters. I've been thinking about y'all since receiving your Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. This is your lifestyle show. We're all about food, travel, theater, and living the best life. Chatting with performing artists is always uh, a great experience to me. And we have a superstar in your radio today. Based on the mega hit feature film Sister Act, this gentleman is a member of the cast of the North American tour of what critics are saying is ridiculously fun. And I quote it. We are sharing all the buzz about the tour of the five-time Tony Award-nominated musical Sister Act. He will appear in Sister Act at Seegerstrom Center for the Arts in Southern California starting on August 6th for a limited engagement and coming to a city near you. He is E. Clayton Cornelius. And aside from being an incredible Broadway talent, he loves to cook. And so we're (laughs) delighted that he's here. E. Clayton, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank yes, you of course. All. We're thank delighted you. to have you. We'll get to your family recipe for candied yams in just a moment. But sure. um, give us a little bit of insight as to what it's been like to perform in this Tony Award winning musical. Uh, it's been amazing. When I saw the show on Broadway, it called to me. It was fantastic. And I loved the role that I actually play. I play Sweaty Eddie in the show. Um, <laughs> that kind of explains uh, a lot. But so much, yes. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. <laughs> I end up being, I'm the cop, basically, who is Dolores' boyfriend in the show. And I guess we used to meet in high school, and uh, she used to make me sweat. So every time she came around, she made me sweat. So I kind of deal with doing that as an adult and winning her over. And I basically, at the end, sort of win the girl and shoot the bad guy kind of thing. Yeah, and and we love that. We understand that Whoopi Goldberg, of course, who made the feature film so much of its extraordinary success, is involved in the stage production, the musical, as well. Yeah, she's one of our main producers. I'm very excited, actually, to be working for her, but we got a chance to meet her and see her when she came to our rehearsals in New York. She came and stopped rehearsal and gave us her good word of advice on what to do traveling-wise, and since she has been doing this forever, you know, as a performer, as a comedian, that it was just great to have her in the room and actually have personal conversations with her. Mm. So it was, was, she's fantastic. Yeah, I think incredible Mm. to get a heat uh, heat advice from a living legend, right? of course, exactly. (laughs) It's such a happy (laughs) show. I'm talking to her, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. In a word, they're saying that this show, Sister Act the Musical, on its national tour, by the way, is just divine. I understand that your food is just divine as well. You're the cast member that cooks, E. Clayton, are you not? Yes, I am. Okay. I, I definitely do cook. <laughs> so we know that your candied yams, one of your specialties, definitely um, deeply rooted in the South. Mm-hmm. 
Um, your family is from there? Well, uh, yeah, they 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 come from the south, but I'm actually from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so a lot of people are like confused why I am this northern boy cooking southern food. But, right. Uh, I do have a lot of great recipes in my back pocket. Um, okay, so what else do you cook? Tell us what is essentially the indulgent crew meal. Actually, you know what? I cook my dad's famous ribs. They are oven baked and they are fall off the bone. Ooh, what's the secret? <laughs> I cannot tell you that or I will have to kill you over the oh, radio. Oh, come on. No, I won't tell anybody. <laughs> really. It's a, it's a national radio show. Don't worry. <laughs> I feel like the little dog with the beans on the <laughs> Um <laughs> And I cook. Uh, my mother has a fantastic potato salad recipe, and mm. I know that I've tasted a lot of uh, potato salad over the of course, my years and haven't tasted something as wonderful as hers. Actually, my lead, Taria, loves it. Like, she likes to get on my nerves and likes to get my goat a lot and, uh-huh. and say, oh, you can't cook. But then she did nothing but eat my potato salad the whole night. Oh, oh well, there you go. Yeah. Is it warm or cold? Obviously, I like it warm. But, you know, when you make it, you should put it in the fridge and cool it. And it's a creamy base, I assume. Yes, it's a mayonnaise base. A yeah. good mayonnaise-based yeah. potato salad. We yeah. love that. Exactly. Okay, so then if we were to ask, would you oblige? It was a pleasure to have you. We are delighted to share the best of theater across the country. And for those that would love an opportunity, please know that the national tour of Sister Act, the musical, is coming to a city near you here in Southern California, where Food & Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen, this show, is broadcast live from you will find Sister Act coming to Segerstrom Hall. It opens at Segerstrom Center for the Arts on August 6th for a limited engagement, and you can learn more by going onto the website at SegerstromCenter.com. SegerstromCenter.com. Would you sing for your supper, E. Clayton? I will. You will? I was hoping so. You know, what I love about Sister Act is it's all the combined musical styles of Motown and soul yes, and is. funk, and it has great disco, and there's Barry White. Yes. So take us out, if you would, with something fabulous. Oh, oh gosh. Just just sing sing one of your best songs from the show, or start it at least. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I could be that guy, I could be the cream of the crop, and the pop all the rage, blistering hot with the spots and a stage, yes I... Okay, how about All that? right, that was <laughs> fabulous. What a voice, he how marvelous. E. Clayton Cornelius, and you'll find him in Sister Act. And you'll find Sister Act at Segerstrom Center for the Performing Arts. You can go to Sister Act, the musical online, Segerstrom for the Performing Arts. Tickets are available here in Southern California, August 6th through the 18th, limited engagement. You won't want to miss E. Clayton, true talent. And I love, Lana, that we are sharing the best of life in food, in travel, in the arts. And we hope that you enjoy the delicious conversation, as we like to call it, every Sunday right here uh, in your radio uh, as the delicious conversation conversation continues we like to leave you with our last bite it's always two or three ingredients uh it's something you can whip together quickly and be a culinary hero and uh, i never met anybody that didn't like a pop tart but i am not a frozen food aficionado um i think there are great you know simple shortcuts but if you can make it yourself from just two ingredients why not use either um homemade pie dough that you've made in advance or buy store-bought pie crust and buy some really good quality chocolate whether it be dark or milk um i like uh, one 
one with a little hint of sea salt, or, or you can even add it yourself. And then just roll out the pie dough, put a couple of squares of chocolate, fold the pie dough over, seal the edges with a fork, and bake mm. at uh, 350 degrees. Uh, it'll take about, or 375 even, it'll take a, 11 or, or 13 minutes or so to bake the perfect Pop-Tart. You could even add jam instead of the chocolate if you'd like. Oh, nice. And then you have a, fr- a homemade fruit Pop-Tart. Yes, or call it a breakfast pie. Oh, that's really fun. Okay, I'll be right over. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to post this two-ingredient Pop-Tart fix at uh, Chef Jamie Gwen on Facebook and on Twitter, so please become a fan and a friend. I'm really excited to share big news, been finally given the approval to do so. Uh, There is a new show that will be premiering on the Food Network. It is uh, in Chopped style, but it's all about cooking and sabotage. It's called Cutthroat Kitchen, and I hope that you've seen the commercials on the Food Network hosted by Alton Brown. I am very proud to tell you that I will be participating as a competitor in the debut episode of Cutthroat Kitchen on Sunday, August 11th at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on the Food Network, so please don't miss it. Uh, Alton is a, a cunning provocateur, I will say. It is a grand game, and I was very proud to compete, and I can't wait for you to watch. So uh, please be sure to check out Cutthroat Kitchen on the Food Network, premiering August 11th, Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. You'll find me there being as cutthroat as I possibly can. And you'll find us here every Sunday making more scintillating conversation this coming Sunday or next Sunday for that matter, just six days away, uh, you'll hear Ida Rodriguez, corporate chef of Melissa's Produce, dishing on hatch chilies as the season has started. And what will you do with those robust, beautiful chilies? Well, there's a whole cookbook of recipes to share, so stay tuned. Plus, our resident pastry chef, Abby Dodge, is joining us with no-bake desserts. With all this heat, Lana, that will be just perfect. In fact, in our technique of the week, no cook. So we're going to be making it a super simple summer coming up next Sunday. Plus, You'll hear part two of our live interview from Pink's Hot Dogs in Los Angeles as we celebrate National Hot Dog Month. In the interim, we hope you'll visit ChefJamie.com for culinary inspiration, cocktails, videos, and more. For Lana, of course, I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. We thank you for listening, and we hope you continue to eat well.